Good morning, church. If you uh, want to make your way to your seats, if you're out in the foyer, that would be brilliant. What a great day to be in church, hey? And we are uh, continuing and, and really, I guess, finalising uh, week two of Supernatural, where last week we really just had a conversation, Pastor Brendan, about how God puts his super on our natural, and we talked, we covered a whole range of topics, in fact, um, including demons um, and possession and oppression and depression, and there was a whole bunch of stuff that we covered in there, and you can catch up uh, online if you would like to uh, hear more about that. Um, but today I thought we could uh, take a little bit of a different approach, and one of the things that I wanted to uh, talk about, and this is, I guess, probably uh, more so maybe for uh, families, people with young families, um, and it's a question that I, I guess probably never thought I would ask, given the rise of it probably over the last 10 years in Australia, and that is um, the celebration of Halloween. Um, my daughter and I, we were out shopping the other day, uh, yesterday in fact, and we were walking into a shop and there was all these big inflatable sort of uh, tombstones and big inflatable things, and my daughter said, oh, Dad, maybe we should get one. And I said, well, maybe you should find somewhere else to live. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But um, I wanted to ask us about Christians and believers because obviously, you know, we've seen it, the rise of Halloween in Australia and there might be mums and dads and grandparents, families asking the question, how do we approach it as, as Christians and as believers? Is it a sin to celebrate Halloween, to collect candy, to dress up in costumes, this whole celebration? From my understanding, Halloween has a, a pagan origin, the, the original All Hallows, All Saints, where they believe the dead would rise and walk around for a day. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts around Halloween. Should we celebrate it? If, if kids came to yours and Margaret's house, uh, which we'll give the address out later, um, <laughs> would you give out candy? What's your approach to Halloween? Um, so thank you very much, Pastor Jared, for the question. Um, I, if, it hasn't happened often because I don't know. We must have a big sign out the front of our house that says, <laughs> don't come here. Uh, but uh, no, we do not celebrate Halloween. And, uh, and so, but if, if it did happen, and I think it has happened once where... Some kids came to the front door and, you know, were like, that's all cool, guys. Not for us. Thanks very much and see you later. Um, we didn't get our roof rocked. So <laughs> we must have said it nicely enough for them to say, oh, fair enough. <laughs> but look, the thing is, and you started to get there because I'm, I'm not 100% clear on exactly what does the world think is happening when they celebrate Halloween. Right. And I'm not sure if you can enlighten me, but you did say that, that it seems that they think that the dead rise and walk around. Correct, yeah. Yeah, well, see, biblically that's not possible. Yes. So we know for a start that, that from a biblical sense, Halloween has no belonging um, in a Christian theology. Um, the, the reality, the fact of the matter is that, that when you die, then spiritually you go to one or two places You'll either go to be in the arms of Jesus or you'll go to a place, a waiting place called Sheol or hell. So I think possibly where the questions might... Sorry, and you're not out and you can't come out. Right. So that's it, you can't come out. Yeah. I guess the questions might come in terms of what's what's the harm in my kid dressing up and and going around and, you know, that kind of activity... Or is, it, is, there, is there something more sinister at play in terms of, no, you're actually 
you know, deceiving your child in terms of, you know, uh, Pastor Jason preached a message a couple of weeks ago about being in the world and of the world. So does that mean that we follow all the customs and the culture of the world? And where is the differentiating point? Mind you, we don't necessarily want to be a Ned Flanders and, you know, we lock ourselves in the house and, 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 and don't do anything. So where is that, or is there a line? Is there a balance between, ah, you know, it's just kids having fun? Or is it, no, I actually don't want to lead my kids down that path? It's a bit, bit controversial, but anything that's, that's of fantasy, yes. I think becomes very confusing for our young people when we're wanting them to understand things like the supernatural. Right. Because unless you're really clear in your explanation to your children around the fact that we are living in a, in a seen realm, but there is an unseen realm, which is as real as the realm that we're living in, so the the invisible realm is as real as the visible realm and that there is, in fact, angels and uh, supernatural beings that live in that realm. Um, and you can't see them. They're invisible. Um, and so if you, if you feel that you've been able to get, help your, your children have a full appreciation of what it means to uh, be very appreciative of the unseen realm so that they're not going to be confused in any way about, well, what's this thing we're celebrating when we come to things like Halloween? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you'll be very clear because the, the fantasy uh, can often become reality for them when it's just not the case. And so my right. concern would be... Um, I'm not, I'm not here to say whether you should or you shouldn't celebrate Halloween. We don't. I don't. I don't believe that it has a place in Christian theology. However, if you choose to, then I would be asking you to make sure that you are spending as much time helping your children to understand what it means to know that we have got angelic beings uh, and those of evil angelic beings uh, that, are, that are real and they are in the supernatural. And, and I might just add, even sitting here today, I mean, we could be just sitting here having... You might just think we're having... Well, we're just sitting here having a chat, aren't we? We're talking about the supernatural. But the, but the truth of the matter is we can't talk about the supernatural as though it's, it's sort of an object or it's a, it's, a, it's a topic that we're just discussing. Are we aware right now that, that there is an invisible realm and that are we aware that in that invisible realm right now there are hosts of angels and demonic forces? It's, it's, it's here. It's not just, we're in church, they can't be here. Well, that's not true. Um, of course, remember, the church is not the building, is it? That's us. Um, so the, the, the reality is that um, I'd, I'd so want people to really get an appreciation, people meaning Christians, get an appreciation of what it means to say, oh, today we're going to talk about the supernatural or in, in things like Halloween and so forth and, and try to understand how very real this is, what we are doing here. We are talking about an unseen, invisible realm that is here with us right now and, and, and is in every bit a part of this conversation. Mm. I'm aware of a, a number of churches, not just in Australia, but also in the state and around Halloween, which I think is the 31st of October, a lot of them actually do alternative Events, which I think is great because it's the, the church promoting not necessarily what we're against but what we're for and they do a whole bunch of kids and youth events and I think that is, that's a great alternative uh, for families and churches to, to gather around um, if they're not comfortable gathering around this idea of uh, Halloween. So, Well, particularly if it's confusing 
the young people with the idea that the dead can actually rise yeah, yeah. and they can wander around. That is just nonsense. Yeah. It is not biblical and we should be very clear with them that this is... If, you, if you're going to talk about trick-or-treat, well, then I'm not sure why we have to dress up as weird ghosty things that are getting around because that's not going to happen. That's so not the, the origins, as, as far as I'm aware, regarding the, the dressing up and the trick-or-treat... Um, as far as my research goes, uh, the the origins of it were people believe that demons and ghosts would dress up and torment humans, and so to avoid the tormenting, you would dress up as a ghost, as a demon, so that they couldn't tell the difference. Mm. Uh, that's what that's the origins of. That's what I um, thank re- you. That's well, what I read but, seven minutes ago. Anyway, so but but but, but that <laughs> that's the that's. Really good because I think it's important. You've been able to help me understand a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like, yeah, I've never actually bothered to figure it all out. But the, but there you are. Uh, you would be as well as reading that. You would you would immediately know in your own self. Well, that's not right because yeah. biblically that has no basis. Um, and the fact of the matter is, that, what was it that you said that it's the devils and the demons that are demons up? and ghosts and ghouls yeah. and vampires? And yeah. So they're so they're what dispossessed spirits or something that are that are able to take on yeah. form and yeah. and then they're supposed to frighten. And they us. get they get one day a year where they can torment yeah. humans. Yeah, I, I got one answer for that. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just, I, I, I speak Jesus. I, yeah, I think it's the confusion and the deception in, in terms of with young people. I think why would you want to open up your young people to that confusion and that deception? It's probably going to uh, create questions that they, they probably don't need to answer at that age. So I think that's a fair point. It's important to note just on that, that, that the Bible does speak about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost mm. basically as the same. And so the word ghost is in, is in the Scriptures uh, and you need to be aware that, that when, it, uh, when it refers to the word ghost in terms of the Holy Ghost, it's talking about the Holy Spirit and the word ghost is very much translated in terms of spirit or spiritual matter. Um, it's, it's interesting to note that when uh, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, mm. uh, that the scripture says that they were frightened and, and afraid because they thought they'd seen a ghost um, but then you'll find exactly the same word being used when Jesus came in into the upper room after he was resurrected and uh, they were frightened again because they thought they'd seen a spirit or a ghost. So, so biblically speaking, there is no evidence to suggest that ghosts exist in terms of once you die. Once you die, you, you go to one of two places and you do not come out of those places. So if, if, we're, if we're talking about Mark chapter 6... Oh, Jesus... Except if you're in Jesus, and if you're in Jesus, well, you're going to come back and then you're going to get your, you will get your new um, resurre- redeemed bodies. Eschatology, and I know there's a few of you who have asked me, can we talk more about that? I'm more than happy to, but probably won't get to it today. Um, so Mark chapter 6 is what you're referencing there, where Jesus walked on water and the disciples saw Mark him. Chapter six, yeah. So if there was no... If, if ghosts didn't exist then why would Scripture say something that they saw, thought it was a ghost? If ghosts weren't real, then how could they use that as a reference point? Uh, good question. I think that you'll find that there was that they may have had some sort of tradition that talked about that, but had they ever seen one? Right. 
I don't believe so. Yeah. In fact, and I'm, again, I'm at the risk of being controversial, and at this point my wife cringes, but I think that, that as much as the, the world is very um, suspicious, the church gets very suspicious... And that means it gets very superstitious. Yep. And that means that they start putting supernatural connotations to everything. Mm. Um, and, and I get very concerned when the, when the, when the church starts start doing that. But coming back to this question, um, uh, what did they honestly think? Well, it, when they said that, I, I'm not sure what they were thinking. But I can assure you that uh, what they actually did see was this. They, th- they saw Jesus in his transfigured state. Right. Now, be careful with this team. You've got to come with me on this. This is it, It's all in there in the Bible, but we have the Mount Transfiguration, yes. right? Yep. And we also have Jesus, once he was resurrected, in his transfigured form, appearing to the disciples in the upper room, yep. and, and he walked through closed doors. Right? So we've got to try and get our heads around the fact, that, and, and you won't be able to get your head around it, um, but y- y- if you can come with the whole idea of what does this mean, that what they were actually seeing was a moment where Jesus was actually demonstrating what was to be, mm. where he would be in his transfigured form able to walk on water. That form meant that he was, was able to uh, transcend both realms, both the physical and the spiritual realm. Right. And so, and just come with me on this. But when Peter hopped out of the boat, and I know that tradition would have us believe that as a human being, he was going to start walking on the water and defy the natural um, dimensions that we live in. But the reality is it was more likely that as he stepped out of that boat in faith, seeing Jesus who said, come to me, that at that moment he also experienced momentarily what will be for us when we are redeemed wholly with our redeemed bodies and souls and we too will be as Jesus is resurrected and we too will be able to transcend both, both realms. Now that probably went to a whole lot of stuff but, but the, the fact of the matter is they were not seeing whatever they thought yeah. was a ghost. They were actually seeing Jesus in his transfigured state momentarily as an, as an indicator of what was to come which also took place on Mount Strigovate Mount Transfiguration, which also happened when he, obviously in his resurrected form, did not need to open up the doors and was appearing in front of them. So what would you say to someone that would suggest, well, I've seen a ghost? How would, biblically, how would you explain that? You're dreaming. No, no, but I'm going to be a lot more respectful because I know, I know that there are, and I do accept that there are many who would t- say, well, Pastor Ben, I have seen a ghost. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's not been my experience, but I respect that experience and I can't give you a complete answer for that yeah. except to say this, uh, don't be frightened of it because you just speak the name of Jesus. And so if we come back to all of this stuff, remember what we said last week, remember the power of the cross. We can talk a whole lot about devils and demons and all the things to do with that, but never forget that as Christians we understand the work of the cross, the power of the cross, and we simply say, speak to the hand. The scriptures tell us to put on the full armour of God. Mm -hmm. And so the the reality is that in Jesus you have put that armour on. I, 
I've heard this business of, oh, well, you've got to put it on every, you know, every morning, get up and remember, but you don't need to do that. You just know that you're in Christ. Once you're in Christ, you now have the full armour. Uh, we could talk about, that's a whole lot more information. Can I ask in Ephesians 6 where Paul talks about uh, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and mm-hmm. so he's talking about the spirit realm, the unseen realm, and he uses that word, the struggle, and mm-hmm. so I, I take your point, obviously knowing who you are in Christ is so key in terms of walking in authority and victory, but would you also entertain the idea that at times that it, it can be a real struggle? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, in fact, again, that might be a little bit controversial, but it's in the Scriptures. I'm happy to talk to you about it later on. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it actually tells us that Paul was praying to God three times about a thorn in his flesh. Lots of controversy about what is that thorn in the flesh. Let's not go there. But let's just know this. It was something that was in his flesh. Therefore, it wasn't good. He didn't want it. And he was asking the Lord, can you get rid of this thing three times? So this is the struggle, right? Um, Can you get rid of this thing three times? The Lord never answered any of those prayers, which for Paul, he was absolutely astounded at because as far as Paul was concerned that, you know, I've asked you once, I'm sort of in this close relationship, this friendship with you, why am I asking three times? Um, note Note that the Lord never, ever answered the question or never, ever... Uh, address the idea of the thorn all he said was my grace is sufficient for you and when he said that Paul then said well then I I glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities Um, and, and and so come back a step what's this struggle been all about Paul tells us Paul tells us clearly he says that 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 this was actually a messenger sent by Satan to harass him Hello, (laughs) this is Paul is telling us that there was a messenger sent by Satan to harass him that he would not be too prideful. Here's the thing. God allowed it. And so the struggle that we talk about quite often we need to remember but it's not like God doesn't know about it and it's possible more more likely that if a Christian is struggling with those things, then it's all about what God is wanting to achieve in a believer's heart. You know, it says that when Peter, Jesus was uh, about to be crucified, and Peter uh, said to him, that that, that can't be right. You don't don't need to be crucified. Why would you want to do that? Mm. And, of course, you know, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. But then he says to Peter, Peter, the devil has desired to sift you Mm. Now, the word sift is better translated test you. The, the devil has desired to test you. Now, who did he ask? Could he test him? He asked Jesus. He was asking, can I test this guy? Do you understand? The, we, you've got to get an understanding of this, that God is over it all. God is over it all. He's not in. He, there's no more fighting with the devil. This is the devil is always subservient to whatever the purposes of God are to bring about a greater good in a believer or within the earth. So can I ask? So probably can the I, Old Testament. It, can I just want to finish it. I just want to finish it. It's really important because then Jesus says, "Can you hold the thought?" I can. So Jesus says, "Because you've got to get this." Yeah. Jesus said, "Yeah." Jesus said, "Devil has desired to sift you." Yeah. Uh, but I've told, I've told him he can't do that. And I've told him that you're, you're one of my guys and you've got to leave them alone. Don't you go near Peter. 
read your Bible and it doesn't say that. Jesus said, the devil has decided to sift you, the, the devil has decided to test you or sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. You've got to hear that, people. Sometimes, sometimes, Jesus is going, yep, you know that bloke, Brendan? Because remember, devils and demons, we're talking about this as though they're just, you know, somewhere, but they're here. They're, they're around us. Don't be, don't be concerned about them. They're, they're all subservient to God. And God may be using them in my life or in your life to bring about a greater good in you because faith that isn't tested isn't faith at, and love that isn't tested isn't. And how does that testing take place? Through the struggles, through the adversity, through the things that Paul was talking about that happened in his, through the harassing of, 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 of powers of darkness that God is understanding. And by the way, just, just he does go one step further and he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he says, um, don't worry, you will not be overtaken by any temptation, test, that is common to men because God will know how much you can handle. And he will make a way out for you. So don't be sitting here going, oh my goodness, I never thought, I thought God would stop all the devils and demons from touching me and all that sort of stuff. No, God said, I've told you, you've got all the power you need. Speak to the hand, you've got the armour on, you know who you are in Jesus, you know the power of the cross. And by the way, I also know how much you can handle and if it gets too hard for you, I'll tell him to stop. Because he is a, Jesus is an intercessor and an advocate for us. So the, the Old Testament reference that comes to mind is, is Job yes. talking about yes. um, obviously the devil and God have a conversation. Um, I guess it probably leads to a bigger question for me is, is evil bad in the hands of a good God? If, if, we're, if we're saying that God allowed it in, with Job and we're looking at Paul and we're looking at Peter, and is, is evil bad in the hands of a good God. If God's over it all, which we're suggesting he is, and yet he's allowing this harassing, he's allowing this attack, if we want to use that word, is, is, it, is evil actually considered bad in the hands of a good God? Absolutely not. That's the exact point. Tick. The idea is that, that as Christians, we need to be of the understanding that God will use whatever he chooses but if he chooses to use things that are of an evil uh, manner or nature, then it'll only be to bring about a greater good in us. Mm-hmm. So the answer to the question would be, no. Is evil bad in the hands of a good God? No. But what many Christians have got their heads around, but evil in the hands of a good God, oh, that can't happen. Like evil in the hands of a good God? But we've just been saying, biblically, it's, it's right. God will use whatever he chooses, but it's always about bring, it's always to do about bringing about a greater good in my life. And so if you feel like you're being harassed, buffeted, struggling, wrestling um, with all manner of things, um, understand this. You've got Jesus praying for you. Mm. You've got him interceding for you. He won't let you uh, be suffering more than you can handle. And the fact of the matter is it's likely to bring about a greater good in your life or for your benefit. How, can I ask, how do you, in your own walk, how do you delineate between that was just a poor choice and this is what I actually feel, this is uh, a, a harassing from the enemy? How do you delineate the two? Well, Paul is, is the great example. So Paul uh, was praying to the Lord 
three times to take this thorn out of his flesh. Yeah. We, in that case, you would expect that he was also able to say to God, God, I don't know what I've done. I don't know what I'm doing. I, don't, I feel all my choices and I've, been, I've not been putting myself in a position where this is you know, self-inflicted. So, Father, is there a way we can get rid of this thing? Mm. And so that's the way I delineated. Have I put myself in a position of self-torment as Lot did? We talked about last week as Lot did, and by the way, the scripture there says that Lot put himself in a position where he daily tormented or allowed his soul to be oppressed. And I should mention this, that we talked about possession. Possession is of the spirit, mm-hmm. but oppression and depression is of the soul. Right. And depression, so keep keeping up with me, so with body, soul and spirit, or spirit, soul and body, Okay. And so when we talk about possession, we're talking about in a spiritual sense. But if we're talking about oppression or depression, we're talking about in a soul, in our souls. And so if you're depressed, the Bible speaks of it in terms of losing heart or being disheartened. So in, that's a bit, I'm not talking from what a, psycho, a psychologist might say, here's the definition of depression. I'm not saying that. I'm not wanting to contradict that. I'm saying I'm talking from a biblical sense. Right. From a biblical sense, if you're depressed, it means you've lost heart or you're, di- you're disheartened. You yep. become disheartened. Uh, and often that can come by just doing right and doing good. The Bible teaches that. Um, but then if you're oppressed, um, it's more like a crippling um, of your soul. It, it, it's something that you've... It, it's an inner crippling, a paralyzing, if you like, of your soul... And um, you have become you become so greatly distressed that you have become crippled in your soul. Yeah. So it's a it's a so you have stress with with depression, but you have distress with oppression, and then with possession. Of course, this is now where you're under complete control and domination spiritually by an evil spirit, or by the Holy Spirit. That's a lot. Where were we going with all that? What did you ask? You me? just start talking, and so I yeah, was. No, just, what was it? What, what, I was just riding that wave. What was it? What did you ask me? Uh, <laughs> well, I was talking about Job, and then you. Just oh, Job. Started, that's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So, so what was the question about Job? Job is a perfect example of exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. So you see there where Job. Do you not find that strange though? Oh, that, yes, that's right. that, I know what you asked me. God and devil have this conversation, and then God's like. Yeah, cool, go and test him. No, then, I don't. You know, he loses his income, he loses his family, he loses his... Like, he loses everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think, actually, it's a compliment to Job. <laughs> Arousing applause. <laughs> if, if, God, if God looked at us... You see, this is, that's what your question was. How do I delineate? That was what you were saying yeah, to yeah, me. And yeah. I was talking about, did you self-inflict, as yeah. Lot did? Yeah. And, and I pointed out last week that many of us, I think, self-inflict and yeah. find ourselves in these places of oppression and depression through self-infliction. That, that said, I've got to be very clear about this. There are understandings, and I completely get this, where our DNA, we are predisposed within our DNA to certain traits within our mental and emotional health. Right. You need to hear that. So, but I'm talking primarily from a spiritual perspective. Quite often, if it's not, 
the, the thing to do with this, with depression and oppression, is always look, to it, look at those issues which are part and parcel of our lives, but look to them first as natural causes before you start thinking of spiritual causes. Because what you find most Christians will do is they'll go straight to spiritual causes and it's all about the devil. But they discount the fact that we do understand, we have greater understandings about how the conscious mind and the subconscious mind works. We have greater understanding about DNA and how all these predisposed things can take place and, and with hereditary uh, traits. So please be careful with that. I'm, what I'm suggesting is if, you've, if you're suffering with depression or oppression, then please look at it first from a natural perspective before you jump to the supernatural. That said... Um, uh, if, I, if I have felt in my heart, Father, search me, show me, am I putting myself in the place? Is this self-inflicted? What is this? Mm. What is this harassing going on? Why do I feel like I'm constantly being oppressed and depressed? And I'm, I don't understand this, Lord. I've got this thorn in my flesh and I don't know what it's for. And I, 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 Man, just reveal it and I will deal with it, you know, like if it... Whatever it requires from me, Father, I'm, I'm there to get it sorted out, as Paul did. However, by the way, if you were Paul, he was talking about he had a thorn. Aren't you, wouldn't you love to just have one thorn in your flesh? Um, I've got a few, and, and, and it helps, helps the pride and it, grace is sufficient, right? Um, but with Job, the whole issue with Job was he was going through that battle. Lord, what have I done? Mm. I've done. I've, no self-infliction here. What's all this about? And so at that point, you can see, no, there was another agenda going on here. Yeah. And what was happening was, it was a great compliment, and, and none of us would, would, would say, put our hand up and say, I want to be a Job, I want to be a Job. Um, but the fact is, if that, if that ever was the case, that Satan actually said, you know that, Brandon Kelly, I don't think he's, I think he's going to deny you. I don't think that his faith is real. I don't think he really believes in you. I don't think he, all that stuff, he doesn't, he's, you're just p- protecting him, the point. You're just making sure he doesn't ever get tested. Well, I want to test him and I'll prove to you that he's not as good as you think he is. Mm. Well, I would hope all of us would see that that is a huge compliment in that God saying, I know Brendan and I don't think, I think he'll pass the test. Mm. Go your hardest but you can't kill him. (laughs) Hence, he knows how much you can handle (laughs) and so you can't go that far. But the whole point is, it's just another great example, right, of how See, God, God is over it all. Yeah. All, the, all, the, all the angelic realm, whether they're of the uh, evil or not, uh, are subject to God. And, um, and so there's a whole lot more going on in there. But mm. it, it's important that when you, read your, when you hear all of the stuff that you hear, and there's a lot of stuff out there on, on social media and all of, all of the things you'll hear, um, go to your Bible and let your Bible interpret itself. Look for it in the Bible. Everything I have spoken about this morning, I'd be more than happy if anybody wanted to sit with me and had an hour and a half or two or more to sit and go. I'll go through the scriptures with you and say, well, here's where I see this. This is where I see this. How do you see that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that what I'm explaining this morning is easily defensible from the scriptures. Yeah, and I think the other point is, is God is not wanting to confuse his people. God is not wanting to bring confusion. He's actually wanting to bring clarity. And obviously the, his scriptures, his word, helps bring insight and clarity 
to these kind of questions and these kind of topics. You hit the nail on the head, wherever there's confusion, this is not of God. Mm. That's 100% right. And by the way, what do we see in the world today? Confusion. Confusion. This is how you know the demonic forces are at work in the world. Mm. When you see the kind of strife and the confusion that's out there, you know we are living in a world that, that, that where we understand satanic forces and powers of darkness are at work. And by the way, who allowed that? God allowed that. And we know that. God has given them permission to be able to, by the way, as again, in eschatology, when we die and we are reunited with our redeemed bodies and souls, um, we believe at that point uh, Jesus will have returned to the earth and those of us who are with him will be part of the bride. Uh, we will also be as he is, therefore we will be able to transcend both realms, spirit, visible and invisible, but there will be people for the next thousand years being born as we are in the natural sense. Get, you're holding on to all this. Mm. And Satan and his demonic forces will still be allowed to have influence like they are currently. Crazy because they still think that they can overthrow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But maybe we need to do a, another series on the eschatology, what's coming. I think I'll just let you take that one. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I do want to thank you for your, your, your clarity and your insight and your wisdom around these topics. And, um, yeah, you're, you're a gift to the church and you're a gift to us. Can we thank Pastor Brendan this morning? Thank you.